I think ensuring that we have a, a, enough of an allocation for the herd of cows that are there and ensuring that we're getting good utilisation, that we're not leaving grass behind us, number one, because that's going to reduce quality for the second and subsequent rotations. But we're not overgrazing the paddock either or the, the sward either, because that's an indication that we're underfeeding the herd of animals for not giving them enough grass. Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As cows begin to calve down in spring calving dairy herds, Mike Egan joins us to discuss the many dynamics at play during the spring, including level of grass on farm, cows intake potential and often challenging weather conditions. We're sitting somewhere in the middle of January now. There's ver- the first thing to say is there's a very few covers in at the moment. Um, and I suppose my one bone advice was try and walk to farms in the next, before we really get busy with calving to see where you are. But in the few covers that have been in up until the 15th of January, the Monday the 15th of January, opening farm covers on a small subset of farms were sitting around 830 kilos. Um, that was on the 15th of January. Now, if we look at, go back to the beginning of December and look at closing covers, they were fluctuating. Average closing cover on pasture base was, was 670 kilos of dry matter per hectare and closing cover in the first week of December. Probably a little bit below normal in terms of a closing cover because of the poor back end, lower growth rates. Um, but over winter growth rates in December and the first half of January before this cold spell has come seems to be quite high at about four to five kilos looking at what's coming in so far on pasture base. But again, numbers are quite small. So we, we seem to be looking at reasonable growth rates of up to five kilos. And looking at the closing covers, I think opening farmers are going to be somewhere around nine, eight fifty to 900 on the 1st of February, uh, based on what's coming in at the moment. But I think the first thing we need to do is really look where you are in your own farm before things get very busy and make a plan then accordingly. If you are below target, ensure that you have enough feed or supplement going in. Or if you're on target, then make a plan accordingly. But yeah, they're, they're probably a little bit lower than where we would like. But I think if we can get more covers in, we'll see a more accurate reflection of what's happening. And you mentioned the cold spell and we haven't a full picture as to how that has affected farm yeah. cover. But maybe just, I suppose, in your mind, what way would you see that affecting a cover of 830 on farm? Yeah, so look, it's probably not going to increase growth rates. There is very, of the few covers that are in, there's very few exceptionally heavy covers, even within the, the average farm cover. Uh, the cold spell hasn't been very prolonged. It's going to be there for a little over a week. It, it's breaking at the weekend again. So I wouldn't be too concerned that it's going to have a huge negative impact on reducing covers or reducing yield on the higher covers. But it's probably just going to slow down growth rates more so than actually reduce yield. So I think that's probably the key thing is it's going to reduce growth rates um, that we're getting this week and the next couple of days. But it's getting quite mild again next week. So they should bounce back fairly, fairly well. And looking at pa- grass that's on farms or covers on farms, they're exceptionally high quality. Grass is very green on farms up until this cold spell. So they should recover. There's very little dead nest material. So once we get a bit of sunlight, there's a lot of green leaf there. It should start actively growing fairly fast again. And then I guess for somebody who is going out measuring the grass in the coming week, what sort of dry matter estimation can we put on it? Yeah, look, dry matters are done and they're being done weekly now for the last two weeks in, in Moorpark. And they've been done on a number of Chaga sites in Oak Park Range, Ballyhays and Moorpark and Athenry as well. But where they're fluctuating at the moment in up at uh, this week in, in Moorpark and Oak Park were Moorpark and Oak Park in County Carlow, uh, they were 17 to 19 and a half percent. So th- they're quite high um, for spring. So I think that's the key thing. Um, a couple of farmers have ran me that their opening farm covers after the walk was quite low, but we're using kind of 12, 13, 14 percent dry matter. Ensure that you're using the correct dry matter in your cover. And if you use a very low dry matter, you're going to underestimate the opening farm cover and the amount of grass you have on farm. So ensure that you 
check the pasture-based website, check pasture-based Twitter account, or that some people are on an email list from Moorpark, ensure that you're using a, a more accurate and up-to-date dry matter percentage. But typically with the weather that we're having, I would expect it to be 17% plus from now until the beginning of February. And, and you know, realistically, um, people are probably using the same dry matter they used the 1st of December last yeah. year. And as we can totally relate to, it was very wet then. So it's just to recalibrate ourselves. I think completely. Yeah. And just keep an eye too, because they are going to be sent out weekly now in the Grass 10 newsletter and a Pasture website. But just keep an eye on where they are and they're going to be done by location. But they are much higher than people are using for so far. So I would expect with people using the correct dry matter percentage and doing co- more covers coming in now that I would like to see farm covers increasing and, and probably will happen with correct measurement on the farms. And, and and I guess that's the the grass picture on on farms. But if we look then to cow factors and you, you and some colleagues would have done some research recently looking at cow intakes. Um, and I suppose before we get into the numbers, if you can just take a step back and I suppose talk through what dictates, um, I suppose, a cow intake in spring in that early lactation first two, three, four weeks uh, after calving? Yeah, so there's going to be a couple of things. Number one is the parity of the animals, first, second and third parity animals. More mature cows are going to have a much higher intake than heifers. Um, for example, you're probably talking about a 15 to 20% difference between heifers and mature cows, number one. The pre-dry cow or the dry cow diet, so if they're on high quality silage uh, and good intakes, they're going to have a higher gut fill capacity than once they do calve down. So ensure that the feed quality that they're getting or silage quality that they're getting pre-calving is good quality. Um, the body weight of those animals is probably the key one in what they're going to be and that they're in good health state as well when they calve down, that there's no mastitis or lameness issues or rumen upsets. They're going to have the biggest thing. And EBI too is going to have a factor on dry matter intake. Higher EBIs, the more efficient animals, they are going to have a higher dry matter intake and turn that into more milk solids. And then looking at the research um, if we roll back um, two, three years, you know, we would have talked about a cow calves down and in one week one of lactation, she's going to eat maybe 10 kilograms dry matter. The heifer is eight kilograms dry matter. So where are those numbers at now? Yeah, so well, that t- 10 kilos was a herd average. So you're, you're fluctuating between uh, mature cows of 11 and a half to 12 down as far as eight then for your heifers at a 25% heifer intake. So that was 10 kilos week one. And the old figures, and this was done um, in the late 2000s um, in, in Moorpark, and it was predicted intakes. So it was kind of herd average with 20% heifer starting at 10 kilos per week, increasing by approximately one kilo per week for the first four to five weeks, and then half a kilo per week thereafter until they get to a mature intake or peak intake of 17, 18 kilos of dry matter on week 10 to 12 of, of lactation. So... Um, over the last uh, two springs in, in 2020 and 2021, sorry, the last two springs, 2020 and 2021, um, myself and two PhD students, Sarah Walsh and Michael Kennedy, were working on this. Um, and we measured the intake profile of uh, a herd of cows and total 160 cows in Moorpark over the two years. Um, and we measured their intake from week one of calving down or of lactation up until week uh, 15 of, of lactation. So we measured in field, it's actual measured data. The herd of cows were a high EBI herd of cows. They were in the top 5% EBI profile. The mature, the herd average mature body weight would be about 570 to 580 kilos. So they weren't a very heavy cow, but they were a quite efficient cow. And there would have been a mix of black and whites and Jersey crossbreds in it. Um, and we looked at all of the data measuring it using the NLK and technique. The, the intakes that we were measuring were higher than previously thought on the, the predicted model intakes looking at the 10 kilos. 
So we get, we had a very similar profile of, of um, heifers in it at 25%, 22% heifers in, in the herd. And on average, uh, across the entire herd, they were starting at 13.3 kilos on week one of lactation. So they're about three and a half kilos higher than what we would have previously thought in week one of lactation. So they're starting from a higher base in week one. That's down to a couple of factors. We have a more efficient cow now, um, a higher EBI cow. They are um, probably similar body weight to what they were at the time, but they're a higher milk solids production cow. So they have a higher intake requirement too in early lactation. So the, and this is a combination of grass silage and concentrate that the total intake was being made up of. When we looked ahead then, they were starting at just over 13 kilos in week one and they were increasing about 0.8 of a kilo for the first four weeks. Whereas previously it would have been a kilo per week. So they're starting from a higher base, but their profile is slightly not as steep in terms of the first four weeks. Um, and then from week four onwards, they're kind of average about 0.3 to 0.4 of a kilo per week. So again, slightly lower. So they're starting from a higher base um, and they're not increasing as sharply because they're starting from that higher base. But when we look at when herds, the, the cows reached their mature intake or their peak intake, heifers peaked, uh, the, the group of heifers that we had with the parity one animals peaked on week 10 of lactation at 14.7 kilos of dry matter per cow per day. Um, and the second and third parity animals peaked on week 11 of intake at 19 and a half kilos. So again, as a herd average, we were just under around 18 kilos of a of a herd average intake, 17 and a half to 18 kilos. So again, quite similar to what we would have previously thought, um, but we're just starting from a much higher base. And I suppose that's the key difference now from 10 years ago, we're just, the intakes, once the cows calve down, are starting from a much higher base. And the profile is quite similar to what we would have thought. And they're probably peaking slightly higher than previously too, but because they're starting from that higher base. So I think that's key. And particularly when farmers are now doing farm covers and budgeting out, I think it's key to ensure that you're using the correct figures, that you're budgeting on cows that are eating a slightly higher dry matter intake than would have previously been thought. And if you're using pasture base, all those figures are now uploaded into pasture base, the, not the new intake figures, but the, the more up-to-date new intake figures for the herd of cows that we have in the country now versus 15 years ago. And I guess, you know, a good indicator of that increased intake is your post-grazing height. So if you're, I suppose, allocating closer to your 10, 11 to start with, you're potentially seeing cows grazing below that four centimetres. So they're, they're potentially, you know, increasing by a kilo of an allocation is going to, is going to be consumed. Yeah, so completely. So I think when you're going out in your lactation and, and look, we don't need to go in and work out exactly that the cows are eating 13.3 kilos in week one and then we're going to have second and third party animals. I think ensuring that we have a, a, enough of an allocation for the herd of cows that are there and ensuring that we're getting good utilisation, that we're not leaving grass behind us, number one, because that's going to reduce quality for the second and subsequent rotations, but we're not overgrazing uh, the, the paddock either or the, the sward either, because that's an indication that we're underfeeding the herd of animals for not giving them enough grass. And that may be a, an easy way to see that we're getting low utilization or very low post-grazing sport heights. But if we get a couple of wet weeks and difficult weather conditions, it's going to be difficult. We're not going to see that low post-grazing sport height because ground conditions are challenging. But if you see body condition score on those cows dropping, it's another key indicator that we're underfeeding the herd of animals as well. So make sure that number one, if we are measuring post-grazing sport heights, that we're that we're not undergrazing or overgrazing those paddocks um, and that we're not seeing a drop, a significant drop off in body condition score in that early lactation period. We're going to see a small drop, but that it's not dropping very fast and that we're seeing an increase in milk production. 
And if we go back then to the, I suppose, the grass side of things, Mike, and, you know, you mentioned it's 830 kilos is the average farm cover. Um, you know, I suppose within that average, there's a range yeah. and there are some farms who typically close higher and by circumstance last um, autumn with weather conditions would have closed even higher. And let's take the that farm now, high farm cover uh, on the 1st of February, good grazing conditions. What is the ideal um, diet for those cows? Yeah, so look, if, I think if whatever the farm cover is, then we have good grazing conditions. But if we have a high farm cover of 900 to 1,000 kilos, we're, whatever the stockman of the farm, I think just, just before Emiloise, so we'd like our opening farm cover to be higher on certain farms, but not every farm needs an opening farm cover of 1,000 kilos either. So I think just try and, ma- it's too late now really to change it, but to try and ensure when you are doing your closing strategy and your opening strategy that you're somewhat aligning and not everyone needs an opening farm cover of 1,000 or 1,100 kilos. Some farmers at 800 kilos of an opening farm cover are perfect on target. So just ensure that you're, you're, you're matching it as best as possible to your own situation and your own turnout date, your stocking rate and your calving pattern. But for a farm that is a, has a high requirement for a high opening farm cover, we have excellent grazing conditions in the spring. We should try and get as much of that grass into the animal's diet as possible. Um, we are going to still need some level of concentrate in it. So if we look at all of the, the production data that we're getting, all of this was done on three kilos of intake in the measurements that we done in February. And then we dropped it to two and two and a half kilos in March um, as well. So if we have good grazing conditions, we don't need silage supplementation in the diet. We can get the cows out. Um, we can make up 10 to 11 kilos in early February of grass, grazed grass in the diet and supplement that that with three to three and a half kilos of concentrate um, in the diet as well, in that air lactation. And then we can drop that concentrate if we go into March. Um, but I think it's it's important. And if we get exception, and we saw this in some years, if we get exceptional grazing conditions in February, um, and, and a key thing last year, okay, March came wet, but a key thing last year, we saw exceptional grazing conditions in February. Try not get ahead of yourself. Um because there is going to be a pinch at some time in March when you have a higher demand and a higher intake in the herds as well. So try and keep within that kind of 30, 35% target of an area grazed in February that we don't go above that, that we'll drop our farm cover too low. So we still need some level of supplementation in the spring. Try and make it up at concentrate rather than, than poor quality silage um, and ensure that the cows are getting fully fit. Um, but keep an eye on your farm cover that it's not dropping. And and on that, I mean, you you you've you've gotten to the point. But look at the scenario: low farm cover, good grazing conditions. Yeah. I mean, the you know the obvious temptation is to open that gate, let the cows out, and let yeah. them let them at it. But I mean, at what point do you say, um, well, on a second now, uh, farm cover is dropping too quickly. Um, I need more than my three four kilos of concentrate. Yeah, so I think like if you have a very low opening farm cover and exceptional grazing conditions, and you're just open the gate and let them out, you take out the silage supplementation that you have in, you're not putting it in. What can happen then is you can drop your farm cover too low. And in February, that doesn't really catch us that much. It's when we get to the second half of March that our farm cover is too low. We have a large percentage of our farm grazed in February and we're now facing into the last week of March and we have no grass coming back on the first paddocks that we have grazed. We're running out of the end of the first rotation grass and we have a lot of supplement to put in to feed the gap. So having that supplement in in February Although we have excellent graze conditions, and I'm not saying don't graze either, it's getting the balance right to ensure that you're putting in the supplement at the right time. And sometimes when you have a very low opening farm cover, that extra little bit of supplementation in February to keep farm cover on track 
is worth an awful lot more than having a huge level of supplement going in at the end of March because we have dropped our farm cover too low. So the, the key things that I would look at when we're doing that in February, you stick to your spring rotation planner, your 30%, 30-35% grazed in February, um, and you fill the deficit with supplement. And if you only have enough grass to meet the herd's requirements, uh, 60% of the herd's requirements, you're making up 40% of the herd's diet then with supplement, silage and concentrate. If you have a very high opening farm cover and you have an, in that 30% area that you're grazing in February, you have enough 80% or 90% of the, the herd's requirements are met from grazed grass, you could put in less supplement or concentrate over silage. So I think it's it's ensuring that you stick to your spring rotation planner targets in February um, and then feel the deficit the cow's deficit then afterwards. When you get to March, then it slightly changes that we're feeding the wedge to a certain extent because we need to look how much farm cover we have, what grass is coming back on the area that we've grazed in February and you're making up the difference then you're, you're holding that wedge that you're not letting your farm cover drop too fast or vice versa that your farm cover isn't too high and you have too much supplement going in. So it's getting that balance right that you're, you're feeding the cows in February and you're feeding the wedge in March, if that makes sense. And yeah, and, and in terms then of that supplement, obviously we have relatively little control over the silage. What we have in the yard yeah. is what we have, whether it's good or bad quality. But from a concentrate perspective, can you give us a bit of a steer on spec, um, or I suppose around the crude protein yeah, that cows so I, need? I, I, think the, I think the first thing is spring grass quality is, is exceptionally good and it's generally very high in crude protein, high teens to low 20s crude protein percent and a high UFL um, energy intake in it as well. So we know that spring grass is a very high quality feed um, without testing it. The one unknown is the quality of the silage in yards. And we could have exceptional quality silage or very poor quality silage. So I think number one, it's important to know what you have in the yard and try and keep that good quality silage to those early lactation cows because we will need some level of silage supplementation in the spring. If you have exceptional good quality silage, that's 14, 15% crude protein, there is a, a chance that with good quality grazed grass as well, you can reduce your crude protein requirement of the concentrate down to 16%, give or take. Um, whereas if you have a very poor quality silage, that's 11, 12% crude protein with your grazed grass, you're going to need a higher crude protein concentrate up to 18 plus percent to, to make that difference up. So rather than it's not that I say use X percent crude protein or whatever it is. I think it's know what you have in the yard in terms of the silage and match your concentrate spec then as much as possible to ensure that the cows are getting their requirements. And it's probably not as easy to say use X, Y, and Z. I think it's know what you have first and then ensure that you're getting the correct concentrate then from the mill or your co-op, wherever you're getting it, to meet herd requirements. And then just to look at nitrogen, um, I suppose things are changing in terms of how we manage nitrogen across the year, but particularly in the springtime. Yeah. Um, I suppose maybe just a steer from you, what have you seen? Like, is there many farmers gone out with their slurry and maybe give us a, your take on what we need to be doing over the next three to four weeks um, from a fertilizer strategy perspective? Yeah, so I think the, the, there has been a lot of slurry moving in the last week with the dry weather. Uh, ground conditions for traveling are quite good. I just think we need to be careful that we're not... Um, oversupplying our slurry or over-applying our slurry in, in spring in this cold weather we're getting lower grass coats we want to utilise that we're getting the best best bang for a buck even with our slurry um, I know that's easier said than done the tanks are full we need to get out slurry too but try and ensure that we're not just dumping it at this stage now to empty tanks that we're still using some of that when we get good grass coats then come into February as well so yeah, we have to get out slurry, but try and ensure that you're getting the best balance of when you're predating it and where you're spreading it as well um 
number one. Look, there is a huge change in fertilizer going out on farms. I think the last number of springs, there has been a huge, like we've met our 2030 targets in terms of national reductions already. Um, but I think where we're, where we're applying that fertilizer and when we're applying it is the key things that we need to look at in spring. So we still need chemical fertilizer in spring um, because we still need to grow grass in the spring. And we've seen on farms that have reduced chemical fertilizer dramatically in the last two springs, they have grew a lot less grass in the spring and as a consequence have had to bring in more supplementation. And whether you're bringing in chemical fertilizer or concentrate, you're still bringing in nitrogen. Uh, and if we we know that if we spread chemical fertilizer in February and get good conditions, we can get 60% nitrogen use efficiency or uptake of that plant. Whereas the animals, we're not getting that same level of efficiency within the system either. So we can still get a, a good response of chemical fertilizer in the spring, as long as we're applying it on the, the right paddocks at the right time, we have good grazing conditions or good grass growth conditions. Uh, the predicted grass growth, no, low levels of rainfall and high soil temperature requirements as well. So I think... We need to be more precise on when we're spreading our chemical fertilizer. We still need to spread it in the spring. But rather than going out on, on the 1st of February when the calendar opens or the 1st, 2nd of February when the calendar opens, if we have excellent conditions then, we have good soil temperatures, we have low levels of rainfall coming in the following week, uh, we have good soil fertility, high grass contents in it, we're going to get a good response from that. If we have very low soil temperatures, low six degrees and not rising, um, we're getting high rainfall in the next week, the response of that chemical fertilizer then might be best holding it off for a week until we get those better conditions. In terms of, of quantities, we've done a lot of work in, in Moorpark and Johnson over the last number of years looking at quantities of spring chemical fertilizer. Uh, and in total, we have probably reduced the level of chemical fertilizer that we are applying in spring. Um, and there's a, a nitrogen table gone out in the Grass 10 newsletter uh, this week, the week of the, the 15th. Uh, of January with the updated nitrogen targets for spring. And it is a total in chemical and organic, or yeah, chemical and slurry. And I think it's important to make best use of our slurry and where we're applying slurry that we're not applying chemical on top of that in the inter in the following weeks or, or week or two weeks afterwards. So there's still a nitrogen source in slurry. Um, and when we're applying that nitrogen organic slurry, we're not applying chemical fertilizer straight away as well. So again, getting that balance right. So over the month of February, we want to aim to try and get 20 kilos of nitrogen out in the month of February preferably the first three weeks of February, depending on ground conditions and trafficability and soil temperatures and weather conditions. And then we're following that up with 40 kilos of nitrogen then in March to give us a total of 60 kilos of chemical fertilizer by the 1st of April. But again, this is like the farm cover. Not everyone needs a high level of chemical fertilizer in the spring if they have a very low demand, turn, late turnout date, uh, spread out calving pattern. So again, it's getting it what's right for your farm and applying the right level of chemical fertilizer in the right conditions for your farm. But Oversupplying fertilizer in spring is going to reduce efficiencies um, and undersupplying nitrogen in spring is going to reduce overall grass growth as well. So I'm gone out in the last couple of days with two and a half thousand gallons of slurry yep. across, say, a third of my farm. Do I need to do anything more with that before March? Yeah. So like if you're going out with slurry at the end of January and you're, you're spreading that on a proportion of your farm into January, early February, I would not apply chemical fertilizer on that within a three to four week period. Um, because if you're going with two, two and a half thousand gallons of slurry, there is somewhere in the equivalent, depending on the nitrogen content, but it's going to be somewhere around 15 to 20 kilos of nitrogen equivalent per hectare being spread on that. And that's what we, in chemical, that's what we want to apply, 20 kilos of nitrogen in that February period, give or take. Um, so your job is done. So your job is done. If that goes out 
the 15th of January, holding off until the middle of March on those paddocks. There's a long window too. You may need to go slightly earlier on those paddocks with your second application of chemical fertilizer the first week of March rather than the third week of March. So it just depends when that story goes out, the quantity of it, um, and then when your second application of chemical, but I wouldn't apply anything within a three to four week period of it. And finally then, just to conclude, and I guess, you know, sum up um, our conversation, Mike, your top tips, maybe your top two or three things that farmers should do over the next month in order to get the grazing started right in the year? Yeah, so I think, well, over the next week, I think there needs to be a couple of things done on farms before we, uh, having a certain couple of farms before things get very busy. Do an opening farm cover, see where you are um, and make a plan then accordingly in terms of your feed budget, do a feed budget and pasture base, do your spring rotation planner and pasture base um, and see the deficit that's going to be there or surplus, or not surplus, but less supplement that's needed and make a plan then on what silage you need, what concentrate you need and make a clear plan going forward that you have. And look, plans are going to change, weather conditions are going to change in February, but at least we started a plan and we can adjust it as we're going on then. So do your farm cover. Make sure that you're using the correct dry matter percentage. Keep an eye on the grass tend newsletter and pasture base as well for the dry matter contents that are going up weekly. Um, do a feed budget then in terms of what we need for the spring in terms of silage and supplementation. Um, when we are doing that, ensure that we're feeding our cows well in spring. Um, that we're getting a high enough intake into them, that we're increasing milk production, that we're not seeing a huge drop off in body weight and body condition score in that early lactation period, that we're not under or overgrazing those paddocks as well. Um, and get ensure that you're, you're if, if we get a dry week in February and we're, the cows are going out, ensure that your, your paddocks are in good order at the moment, that you already have your water troughs out, that there's reels ready to go, that you're not looking for those in the morning because then it pushes things later and you're not going to go and do it. Just kind of put a clear plan in place, number one. Um, if you haven't got chemical fertilizer in the yard at the moment, I'd say make an order and get it in that once the date opens, if conditions allow, that we can go with it. Um, make a note of where the slurry has gone recently um, so that you're not oversupplying nitrogen to those paddocks in the spring as well. Check the, the Grass 10 newsletter for last week, the week of the 15th of January for that updated spring fertilizer guidelines from Chagas. It has the chemical and organic and the clear pattern plan going forward as well. Um, and I suppose, yeah, the second, the last thing then is, and it's not really related to that, is uh, have a good calving season and just be safe. A good note to finish on yeah. and as you say there's 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 a lot going on and I would say a lot of homework to do in the next week yeah. or so um, but it, it will be worthwhile and as you say if you can uh, assess where you're at you're potentially going to reduce the amount of input required and I suppose a much lighter workload if you can get cows out to grass yeah. um, where conditions are good thank yeah. you Mike no worries at all thank you Matt. that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Mike Egan for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate, review and listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge. <laughs>